Welcome to episode 181 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast, bringing you to the table while we talk about the outdoors. This week, uh, myself, Nick, Tom, and Frank, we're all in studio. Turkey season's completely over, and it's time for us to roll into preseason whitetail prep. Uh, specifically this week, we're talking about our food plot setups this year. We've got some new things we're trying to keep improving a little bit every year on our food plots. So we got some new equipment, a couple new tactics, a little couple few tricks up our sleeves. So it should be really good. Um, we'll keep you guys updated on how everything goes this year, but we've got uh, quite a bit of corn, beans, turnips, radishes, clover, all just a big old smorgasbord of stuff for the deer to eat this year. So if you're into that sort of thing, why don't you uh, get strapped in and tune into this week's episode. I pull up my bow and then I look dead at his antlers. I got out of the truck and when I slammed the door, I heard gobbles all around me. Alaska, moose, spot and sock. That is the bucket list. I agree. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the table with us as we talk about the outdoors. Uh, Nick and Tom are both hanging out. Nick's playing on the computer. Apparently, he's having some problems. No, everything's good. Okay, good. good. Glad to be in the studio tonight. Think we got a, what do they call it, a real rip snorter of a show for you tonight. <laughs> Is that what you call it? Who calls it that? I don't know. Well, that's what we're having. But before we get into the show, I just wanted to say one thing. I sent Nick a link earlier, forgot to send Tom the link. And he's upset about it. But big news in PA license sales uh, for the last... Fred Flintstone retired. Yeah. Thousands of years. Uh, you've had to send in your doe tags. Like You buy your hunting license and then like... You get a pink envelope when you buy your license. Yeah. And then at a certain date, you send in your doe tags and whatnot. So PA is finally not living in the stone age anymore and you can now buy your license and doe tag online the first day of license sales which is monday june 26th so make sure you guys mark that day in your calendar tell you what it's gonna be a nightmare i was talking day. i was talking to a guy at work about it and i was like the system's probably just gonna crash and no one's gonna be able to buy yeah like your doe. you can also still buy them in stores uh so like any place that you normally buy your hunting license you can you can do it there as well. Yeah, I have a feeling like everybody is going to be trying to either be in a Walmart or online mm. that twenty six. Is it probably probably could do it Sunday night at midnight online? No, it's eight a.m. Oh, if you would have read the article that Frank sent you, it yeah, mm. and I actually read it to both of you before we started. I was busy getting technical issues figured yeah, out. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, everybody mark that in your calendar. Keep it in mind if you want to shoot a doe this year, or or a couple because there's they're doing three rounds. Yeah, 
as they usually do. So, yeah, everything after that will be, you know, kind of, I think it's July. It's like the last weekend in July or the second week of July or something like yeah, that. Yeah, for the second round. And then the next round's in the second week of August. So, yeah, just pay attention to that I mean, stuff. 1B will never be in the third round no. like where we're at. It's, yeah, we always run out of tags pretty quick. Yeah, a few people get uh, second round but never third. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess we have a lot of PA listeners, so if you guys haven't seen that, Good info to know because that's that's coming up quick. Yeah, was that like two, three weeks away, something like that? Yeah, what's well, today? The sixth. By the time they're listening to this, it's two weeks out. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. That's pretty neat. So Tom, you've, uh, or I guess not not even just you, but we've all been pretty busy up at the headquarters. Um, you know, it's uh, planting season, right? As most people doing food plots know. Um, and we've had some trouble in the past with our beans and our corn. You know, we get a little bit of yield, but not... The corn you know, did well last year. The beans, not so much. Yeah. Um, so Tom's got a little bit of a different game plan uh, this year. So why don't you break down a little bit what, we've, what we're have what we getting into this year to hopefully improve our process. So starters, this is the first time that we've done soil sample kits. With uh, We actually we got the Whitetail Institute soil sample kits. And pretty simple, basically all you do is you dig up some dirt from the field you're planting in and you put it in this white bag that they give you and you mail it to them, tell them what you're planting in that soil and they tell you exactly what that soil needs um, per acre. So it Mm -hmm. tells you you need X amount of pounds of this fertilizer, X amount of pounds of this fertilizer, and X amount of pounds of lime. Mm-hmm. So we're following that by the books. Um, and we're doing something a little bit different with lime because usually lime, you're at like a ton of lime per acre, 2,000 pounds. Yeah. That's, that is a ton of lime. Yeah, it's a <laughs> ridiculous amount to get the calcium up. But we're trying a new product this year from Deer Grow. It's called Plot Start. And basically what it is, is it's concentrated liquid calcium. Mm -hmm. And they say that one two and a half gallon jug, which is like 40 bucks, is equivalent to one ton of lime. So do you just spray it like you would if you're spraying chemicals? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, you can... Basically, you can dilute it as much or as little as you want. Depending on what your soil needs. Well, no, not even that. It's just it's like putting that one jug is, like Tom said, a ton of lime. Mm-hmm. So however yeah, however fast you want to drive or whatever, you just have to kind of match. You want to be able to spread that amount over the acre. Yeah. So depending on your application, you can either dilute it more or less mm-hmm. to fit your needs. But basically, the object is to get that entire jug in in, in the eight. ground. Oh, yep. So. So we're gonna do that. So we're gonna get the soil exactly where it needs to be for optimal yield. And what we run into a lot of the times with beans, like Nick said, we usually struggle with those. Is critters eating them before they're mature and can handle the browse. Mm-hmm. So um, what we're going to do this year, which we tried to do last year, but we didn't really plan it out right, is we put up the, a two-row fence, two-row electric fence. Um, but within like two weeks, the grass had grown up underneath it so tall that it was 
borderline useless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the grass just pulled the wires down and it just wasn't really doing anything. Um, and they came up and then just they just got stunted. So what we did this year was we rototilled an extra pass, sprayed and rototilled an extra pass around the perimeter of the field. So now we have a six-foot section all the way around the field that's just bare dirt. And that's where we're going to put our fence so nothing is growing up underneath it. Nothing's blocking it. Everything is going to be money. Mm-hmm. So we're doing that. We are. Uh, I bought... A bunch of dead crow decoys. You so break that down a little bit because I didn't even know that that was a thing. I know I never heard of people doing that until Austin mentioned it a week ago. Now, yeah. So you hear what a lot of people are do or what a lot of farmers do is they'll shoot a crow and hang it upside down, and it deters the other crows from coming in there. I guess crows are very intelligent. So, if, so intelligent they know they can't tell what a fake bird is out there. <laughs> Well, they see it hanging upside down by its feet in an unnatural state and assume that it's dead and realize that, you know, this area is probably not real good for crows and they stay out of there. Hmm. Um, it's kind of like a must, Mr. Yuck sticker on the food plot. <laughs> yeah. For crows. But I was going to just shoot my own crows, but then you got to one worry about having crows come in that you can shoot. I know nothing about crow hunting, so I'm not real confident that I could call one in and shoot one. And two, you got to worry about doing that year after year, always getting crows. And three, you got to worry about them rotting. And now, and you got a the legality of, of it. I don't know. You know, I know in Pennsylvania there's like an open season for crows, but not. I don't. I honestly couldn't tell you about New York. Yeah, I have no idea. So I just went online and bought a bunch of dead crow decoys, which apparently it's a thing that a lot of farmers buy. Yeah. Oh, so, because obviously there's a market for it. So what do you just hang on a? St- <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just got pieces. Yeah, you hang them uh, about three feet high. Um, So I just got a bunch of rebar that I'm going to bend into an L and hang them off that. Hmm. And then I bought 10 of these little yard, like pinwheel, windmill type things with like a bright silver reflective on them. I'm going to scatter those throughout the field because apparently birds hate that shiny glare reflection. and I got a coyote decoy that I'm going to stick in the field, in the soybean field, to try and deter the woodchucks. Mm. And they say you got to move this shit like once every seven days. Or else Even get... the crow decoys? They say it's best, too. Hmm. Otherwise, they'll get used to it in the same spot and know mm-hmm. that it's fake. And I read that you got to set it up at night because if the crows watch you do it during the day, they know it's fake. Now that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So I guess and I'm you were questioning their intelligence. I don't know. Maybe that's just something somebody does. That I don't sounds know, like man. a Mike Stringer uh, <laughs> like thing, or you got to set them up at night. So, so my plan is it. to plant all day, get all my planting in done, and then I'm going to go back up to camp, get a good buzz going, and then once it gets dark, I'm going to go put my spread out, get real creative <laughs> with it. I'm sure it's that's going to be like four great. in one corner. Yeah. No, it'll be it'll be intricate. Maybe you should spell out like I hate crows and well, I like only braille. have eight crows, so maybe they say three crows an acre. So you got eight, so you're gonna be like they're gonna be like, whoa, this is <laughs> this is really this is bad. bad. <laughs> These crows do not mean business. Yeah, hmm. 
Um, so that's the new food plots that we're putting in. And on top of that, we're maintaining food plots from last year. And, ugh, let me tell you guys. <laughs> we yeah, If you listen to our food plot episodes last year, do exactly that. because for, food, Except besides corn and beans. Yeah, not the uh, corn and beans. No. We're still working on that. Yeah, but like the all the other food plots, they look fucking insane. I tell I, you, you have never seen clover leaves so this lush. big. And so many four and five leaf clovers. Yeah, I don't Every, know if, what... I think it makes it lucky. <laughs> I don't know. But it, it's unbelievable. I mean, these like clover leaves the size of half dollars. Yeah, they're they're enormous. Yeah, it's awesome. And basically what we did was last year, most of our food plots were turnips and radishes that we all underseeded with clover. Mm-hmm. And basically what that does is it gives them a good late season turnip crop you know for winter time and then whatever's left over sits in the soil and rots and turns into a natural fertilizer which really gives the clover that you underseeded it with a boost on mm-hmm. the following year and that's exactly what it's got yeah, yeah a it, huge boost yeah it really took off that those food plots look insane yeah because last year like your food plot there was clover in it mm-hmm. but you, it was kind of drowned out by all the turnip um, grains. Yeah, exactly. But now it's, it looks really, well, what really What it does, good. it saves you a bunch of time and money because you can plant all that stuff and then you can run that clover for a few years and then every third year or something like that, then you go back through, throw some more radishes in and you just keep doing that so it's uh, mm-hmm. keeps down on cost and your time. Yeah, you don't have to buy all that seed and fertilizer and lime oh, every expensive. year for, you know, because we have, what, six different food plots like that one. Yeah. What's I mean, Tom and I were buying uh, lime and fertilizer by the trailer. Yeah. I mean, like. Now you won't have to do that this year. You're, yeah. All you're really buying for is the corn and the beans. Yeah. And one or two new food plots. Yeah. But did you speaking of? Do you already get our fertilizer? No, I'm getting that Saturday morning. Oh, that's right. You did say you were going to because the they're in the co-ops eight to five, which are the same hours I work. Hmm. Tough to make it there in time. So if you want to meet me in person, you know, the voice behind Tom on the White Cat Outdoors podcast, I'll be at the co-op 8 a.m. Saturday morning. Perfect. You didn't, they didn't want to buy any like toner toner on like a Thursday? The co-op? Yeah. No. (laughs) That's what I was They actually are a customer of ours. Well, why don't you make an excuse to go over there on like... Why don't you trade like one toner for ton of fertilizer yeah it'd be like a bargaining ship yeah that's not a bad idea i'll run it by the boss there you go i think you'd make out on that deal if it was like one toner for a ton of fertilizer yeah (laughs) yeah a lot (laughs) but i mean like you gotta look at it supply and demand you know they need toner and they've got a ton of fertilizer to get rid of so i need a ton of fertilizer and i have toner to get rid of yeah so really it's a win-win yeah Kind of all comes out in the wash. Thanks, Tom. Hope that comes out in the wash. (laughs) Yeah, Tom's fresh summer breeze sent up here. Um, So beyond um, the uh, what different tactics for planting food plots, the uh, the corn planter got a little bit of a refurb, didn't it, Tommy? Yes, it got quite the makeover. So we just bought this baby last year and took it to the field and started going with her. And it went pretty good. It, it worked all right, but it wasn't like, you know, you see them farmers that it's like 
field is perfect rows, not a single stock missing. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't quite that. And come to find out, my grandpa, he's always working on farm equipment. It's like his bread and butter. Um, our seeds, the way well, the well, corn planter was set up, was our seeds were below. Our seeds were getting planted lower than the fertilizer was being dropped. And the fertilizer was being dropped like eight inches from the seed. So the kernel wasn't getting the proper fertilization that it needed to grow. Okay. Well, the other thing is, too, that um, our uncle liked that uh, Ford 309 so well that he actually went out and bought a Ford 309 and a parts 309. So what we ended up doing was taking the three and then building two really nice ones mm -hmm. with the donor planner. Um, and then I did some new brackets on the back end to like clean out the wheels. Um, and then my grandpa tore everything apart. And like Tom said, made some adjustments, getting the seed height right. But continue, Tommy. Well, that's basically it. And then another thing we did uh, was we uh, got, I should not new, new to us equipment. Uh, we were using a Ford 1620 and like a little four foot Howard rototiller, which when you're trying to rototill like multiple acres worth, a four foot rototiller is a bit of time. not the way to do it. Um, so this year we used the Ford 3000. And uh, it was a six-foot rototiller, which is obviously two feet two wider yeah. and quite a bit heavier. Um, so this thing, it just freaking eats. It just, you drop her in and... Uh, you were done way faster than every other year. Oh, yeah. Like, I did one pass Saturday morning. Which is what... You got the same results that three or four passes would have. Way better results yeah. after one pass. Mm -hmm. Usually, with the one rototiller, the old rototiller... It kind of just pulled a lot of the grass out and maybe tilled up like the first inch of soil. But this dug down four or five inches. Mm -hmm. um, so we sprayed it, rototilled it once like two weeks later. And I'm going to real quick give it one more pass Saturday morning and then, and then plant. But Nick's going up Friday, Friday to spray lime. Uh, and then what I want to do first is with the beans, um, since you we're not planting the seeds with the fertilizer like you would corn, uh, I want to broadcast all the fertilizer first and then rototill it to work it in work it into the soil. Mm. Um, but then with the corn that you just you plant the fertilizer right with mm -hmm. the rows. Nice. So. So is this, again, the last attempt at beans if it doesn't take off? We I, say it every yeah, year. Yeah, because this year we finally have everything going our way. We've yeah. taken out all the variables. Yeah. So if well, it doesn't work this year, then it's just not going to work. Yeah. And like the first year, it didn't go well. We're like, ah, oh, we're not doing beans again. But we didn't really have any sort of experience planting beans in the past. So it was like, ah, oh, we'll do it again. But then it was, we just never had... Well, we just, like there's been a couple times where we didn't get the ground prepped properly mm -hmm. and we were kind of running out of time. We just needed seed in the ground. And then the one, one time we got, got washed out, it got washed out. And we had another year where we got, uh, it was feed seed that mm -hmm. the co-op told me that it would grow. I'm like, I don't <laughs> believe you. Didn't grow. But mm -hmm. this year we got this year's 
inoculated Roundup Ready beans. Uh, soils prepped properly will have the exact amount of fertilizer and lime needed for optimum yield. We'll have a clear fence up to keep deer out. We'll have our crow and coyote decoys to keep the birds and the woodchucks out. And if they don't grow this year, then I'm done. Because I guys can want grow, to plant beans next year, I'm not helping. <laughs> I can grow one hell of a radish field. Oh yeah. Yeah. So if uh, if it doesn't work out this year, that that big acre field is going to be turning up some radishes. Yeah, I'm, I'm way that. into that. But I got a good feeling. I do oh, too. Yeah. I I love good bean field for early season. And late season. Yeah, and late mm-hmm. season. And we're mid not season. Cutting. Yeah. Whatever time of season. If you want to hunt a bean field, it's a good time to do it. Yeah. Um, well, thanks, Tom, for breaking that down for us. You're welcome. Uh, it's going to be – we're pretty much in full, like, preseason mode at this point. Yeah, we're um, all in on whitetails now. While Tom was – Yeah, practice is over. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but, I mean, while Tom was rototilling, because, you know, that's a one-man operation, we were already – we're getting stands moved, and uh, we had one of our tree stands, the tree it was in, snapped off. Mm-hmm. about three foot off the ground so we had to move that stand and after the logging some of our stands kind of got opened up too much you know for our liking so we moved those around so we're getting all sorts of good stuff done but and we got a couple more stands we still got to put up yet that we know spots that we want them we yeah. just got to get some stands in them so still right. plenty of work left to do yeah so if anybody that listens here um they have you know good good results, you know, with their food plots every year. I'm always interested to hear what people are doing, what you're planting um, in regards to like where you're at geographically in the country. Cause it's just cool to hear different tactics and um, mm-hmm. seeing what el- other people are planting in their area. So if that's you reach out to us. I'd love to chat with you, see what you're doing, pick your brain a little bit. Um, but other than that, like I said, preseason's in pretty much full swing for us. So make sure you guys are all still getting outside.
90% sure that was a gobble. Keith looks at me. He's like, no, that's definitely a gobble. So we're like, all right, let's try and cut the distance in half. So we work up that way, call, nothing, get a little closer, call, nothing, get a little closer, call, nothing. And we're like, you know what? It's like 1150 at this point. Like this bird, he's done. Call her a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, sun- Sunday was slow. Uh, Saturday picked up a little bit. We had birds gobbling off the, or I'm Confused. sorry, Monday, Monday. Okay. Well, let's back up before we jump into Monday. So Sunday night, we decided to go do some driving around, try and locate some birds because it was getting, we had a really slow day, both teams. Yeah. And it was just like, let's try and locate some birds for the morning. You know, mm-hmm. one last chance. Um, and right at dark, uh, we located, uh, two birds, two gobblers, um, unfortunately like 45 minutes from camp. Um, so Austin and I were like, all right, we'll take the long haul. You know, we'll get on those ones. So Tom, I guess discuss your plan. You and Keith came up with for Monday. Uh, we got, we hunted another piece of uh, private that we hadn't hunted yet. And we actually, we ran into the dude and he told us that he's been here and seeing birds. We're like, all right, we'll, we'll try to give it a shot. But we, set up we had birds going on the roost they gobbled for you know half hour after they hit the ground and then they shut up and we just walked and called we hit i think four or five more properties just i think we logged like eight miles from first light till noon just walking and calling walking and calling never got a response after first light it was it was tough it was a grind but mm-hmm I'm sure it was even tougher because it's tough to stay motivated turkey hunting when it's 80 degrees and the bugs are just destroying you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, I'm going to get some sort of skin condition because of the amount of bug spray I was spraying on myself. (laughs) But it's, like, either that or get eaten alive by mosquitoes. And, like, it's just a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah. Lather me up. (laughs) Austin, do you want to go into Monday morning's hunt for us here? Yeah, so we got up pretty early because we had that 45 minute drive and so we get there we pull up i mean we literally parked probably within 200 yards where those birds were even roosting yeah it was very short walk downhill yeah and then uh as soon as we as soon as i open the door like they just start funneling in i'm (laughs) like all right i know this is gonna be bad so we get down we didn't have bug spray bug spray was 45 minutes away (laughs) yeah back at camp yeah (laughs) good spot for it oh yeah so we get tucked in there not a far walk we get down in there it's still dark and we're we're sitting in this tree and i don't know if they were biting around your neck or your face so i actually as hot as it was i had a sweatshirt because it had a hood and i every time uh i had my hood pulled up and then my mask over top of that like everything but the only thing that was exposed is they were biting me through my pants and my hands. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't, they were buzzing around my head, so I couldn't hear shit. I had one of those tight face masks, so it's like, it's wrapped around my ears and my neck. And I'm just sitting there, like, I'm going like this, and I just, like, <laughs> flopping my hands around my ear, and I still can't get those bugs to get off me. When you couldn't hear shit, it was just... That's so annoying. Like, the entire morning. Awful. That's great. I've never been on a hunt where I'm like, this is not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so we got there, and sure enough, we heard a couple gobbles, what I I thought. And uh, 
Yeah, I don't know what time it was then. We just you it was like quarter saw... after five. We heard first gobbles mm-hmm. and some hens talking. Yeah, and uh, you go, I see them right there, right there. And I, it was probably like two minutes later, and then I saw three come walking out like eighty yards away. And uh, could you I, tell what they were? Hens. They were all. There hens. were three hens, and they they got into about forty. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. Go ahead, Austin. And then I couldn't. Take I'm sure it. the gobblers were just 15, 20 yards behind them. <laughs> it would not surprise me. It probably was. <laughs> I I was to a point where I just kept flicking my face mask because I I couldn't take it. I was so ready to get out of there. <laughs> like I was bit. You know that little hole in the back of your hat. I was getting bit all over right there, dude. Anything I, exposed. I, feel like I was on fear factor because it was, <laughs> it was so bad. I, I mean, I was at the point. I had my light on and my safety Holy off. shit, I'm looking at your hand right now. That's that's a week old. You like, see that? Yeah, he showed yeah, it Both the of them are day. that bad. That's a week old. My entire hand, like in my legs, everything. It was terrible, dude. I don't know why, but the bugs were not bad on private. <laughs> like, I don't know what it was. They know all the people are on public. Right? I don't know if it was like if they were hunting near swamps or something. But yeah, when, well, there was water right there, stagnant water. We were, you could see when the me and Keith water. were on private land, no bugs. no bugs. But when we did hunt a lot of public, we, we just what's the term? Douched ourselves in bug spray mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah, my it it's bad. I can't tell with all the poison. I look at yeah, look at it. <laughs> I'm sure that that's a good portion of bugs too. Look at the underside of your forearm there. Yeah, the undercarriage. Well, that's I'm pretty sure that's poison ivy. But. So, Austin, what happened? Birds are at 40 Just yards. Just say it, Austin. They, they saw me. I, I, I was to a point, I don't even care. I'm like, no, oh, it's driving me nuts. Yeah, like I said, start for, swatting. They were coming pretty much right at us, and they got, and I think they noticed Austin's movement because they stopped at 40. Mm-hmm. And then after about 10 seconds, they were just, bam, gone. Like, I mean, running away. And I was like, I know I didn't do anything. And I didn't know Austin moved until we got back to the truck. He he was like, "Hey, I think I've screwed us up there." Like, <laughs> I'm trying to play it off like I did. Yeah, what know the hell happened? Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't see him. I like I said, I was up like I'm aiming down my uh, shotgun, looking, and I'm I'm trying to put a beard on one of those hens, mm-hmm. and I just, I couldn't do it. Um, and Austin's over there dancing. Yeah, pretty much. I'm he was so, playing Dance Dance I'm Revolution so over there on the tree. <laughs> That's a fun for sure. Do you feel worse about spooking those birds or being an hour late? Uh, spooking the birds, 100%. That's a good answer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It, we were on the card right there. We were talking about, like, <laughs> what it would take... For you to yeah, like, would you <laughs> shit your pants? Oh, that's right. I forgot we had that conversation on the way up. Apparently, but, bugs are not enough to keep Austin from yeah. shit. No. Yeah. He would well, shit his pants. Frank, <laughs> I'll ask you, if you're sitting there turkey hunting, mm-hmm. and you got a gobbler hammering back, and he came from like 300, and now he's at like 150, and it hits you like, I have to shit now. Like you just ate six Greek dogs from New York lunch, Oof. hit you. I'd probably shit. Like shit not your pants? Not in my pants. I would not. I don't think you'd I'd spook shit. the gobbler. Yeah. If mm. if we're talking big bucks, I'd shit my pants hundred times out of. How many hundred. inch buck are we talking? Yeah. What's the number? I'd shit my pants for a one twenty five. I was gonna say if there was a one thirty, I'd shit my pants. Double but, bearded gobbler. Well, I, if he's one hundred and fifty, he's can eighty. I say he's, him? 80 he's eighty. Now. He's eighty. He's eighty. Yeah. Because you mull it over, you're like, do I shit my pants? Do I? 
And while you're thinking spoon. about it, he comes in 80 yards out. And now it's beards. like, okay, game time decision. You can see his spurs 80 yards out. I'd, I'd shit my pants. I'd shit my pants. Would you swat a mosquito? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'd rather I, jump in a bush of poison ivy than deal with those mosquitoes. I will say it's almost an instinctive swat at mosquitoes. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I didn't move. I took it. Yeah, you took it like a, Let's Let's get our listeners involved. Leave it in the comments. <laughs> uh, this little discussion pants? we've had. Yeah, would you shit your pants for a big buck? Would you shit your pants for a long beard? And where's the line? Yeah. I'm telling right now my line I would shit myself for a 125 buck and I'd shit myself for any long beard for any w- potential long beard. I wouldn't do it for any potential long beard, not just any. If the, if it if it was double bearded, I'd shit my pants. But I feel like if shitting I your pants a- is a little bit like meth. Like once you've done it once, it just kind of opens the floodgates and you do it again. So like if you did it on a buck, I think like that turkey would be like, easier. Like I've I done this before. I know how to react to this. But luckily for me, like very, and, and this is not the case for Nick, but very you almost r- never shit your pants. <laughs> no, very rarely does like a turd hit my stomach. That's like now, like yeah. right now. Like I, it I can makes hold. you get off a treadmill every morning. Yeah. I don't think Tom's made it a full hour without pooping halfway through. <laughs> Let's just, I mean, I'm not like squaddling over there and try not to shit. Like I get a better run after I relieve myself. But if there was a big buck, in front of the treadmill, he he might hang on a little longer. Yeah. 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 So yeah, leave it in the comments. <laughs> That's a good one. I look forward to <laughs> to reading those. You know, comments. nobody ever leaves them in the comments. They might this time though. <laughs> this is a good conversation though. So this is very informative shit we're talking here. Literal. Literal shit. Well, Tom, since this episode is about you, do you do you feel like closing us out tonight? Yeah. Uh, Why don't you, before you totally close this out, maybe let the listeners know what we're up to this weekend, why we're all together right now. Oh, yeah, we are. Uh, bags are packed. Uh, we just had to record a quick podcast. We're not recording on Wednesday because we had, what did we have? Softball. Softball. Softball yeah. was Wednesday. So we couldn't record on our usual night. Frank was cutting timber Thursday. So we're coming at you Friday night from the studio. Bags are already packed. We're heading up to the headquarters to start uh, prepping fields for corn and soybeans. Got to move a couple stands. We're going to get our cameras hung up. So even though turkey season's over, make sure you're still getting outside.